next couple of days are going to be uh, shitty. Shitty is probably a good word for it. Shitty. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Tim Wick, Nick Glover, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, Gregory Parks joins us to discuss season one of Andor, the newest Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. We spoil the shit out of it, and it's really good, so watch it first. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Molly Glover. Hello. And Nick Glover. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, we are also joined by a very special guest, uh, somebody who is uh, I, I'm more of an expert on Star Wars than we are. We have Mr. Gregory Parks. Hello. And su- such kind words. Holy cow. <laughs> you consider me a Star Wars expert. Wow. Well, certainly, <laughs> certainly compared to myself. Uh, you've, been to, you've been to at least one Star Wars uh, convention, and I have been to none. So... Actually, you all have been to at least one Star Wars convention. I've been to yeah. none. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so I lose there. We are here to talk about the latest Disney Plus Star Wars series, that being Andor uh, Season 1. And uh, I need to say that we are going to spoil the shit out of Andor Season 1. So if you have oh, not watched it. spoilers. If you've not watched it. And you'd... it's worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you definitely don't want to listen to this this episode if you don't like spoilers and you haven't watched Andor yet. It's on Disney Plus. It's like, 12 episodes long. They're all about 35 minutes. So and, and 10 minutes of credits, which you can skip except for the final episode. So so there you go. Uh, I've given you as much of a chance as possible to uh, get get the hell away from this podcast before we spoil the shit out of Andor. So now we're going to start talking about it. And I think, like, for context on not on wanting to enjoy it unspoiled, like, Molly and I have talked about it, and I think this is both of our favorite Star Wars anything. Yeah. Like, I think this is the top of the list for movies, shows, any of it. Like, I, I think this is I the best. I would say that, yeah, yeah. So, that's what you might be robbing yourself of. <laughs> wow. Just to reinforce the point. What okay. about, what about you, Greg? Yeah. What about you? Is it, is it your something. favorite Star Wars thing? It, that's something that I would agree with. I could stand behind that. Like for me, Rogue One is by far my favorite of all the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like Rogue One was just so amazing, and it was the best that you ever got to see Darth Vader. Oh yeah, and <clears throat> like there were there weren't really any Force users because I don't really consider Chirrut to have been an actual force user. He no. might've been force sensitive, but he wasn't yeah. the force user. Yeah. And I would say force sensitive. He's more, he had that more like monkish thing going on, like just very, yeah. very in tune with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was one totally. with the force and, and the so, force was with him. For, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He had his mantra. And so like rogue one was the first time that I was like, well, I guess unless you want to count uh, the two Ewok movies, like that was that was the first time in anything that's been shall we say uh 
canonically accepted. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Where we didn't center on a legacy or on force users, which after a certain point in my adulthood, I really wanted to see. It's like, okay, you know, Jedi, Sith, force powers are cool, but the world is so huge and like what goes on. And then especially after the last Jedi with the little kid with the broom. Oh yeah. And I was just like, okay, I want to get out of legacy. I want to see, you know, that was my big thing. It's like, no more legacy. I don't want to see any more legacy because there's so many more. And then really wanted to see what goes on with people who aren't forced users in this universe. So Rogue One was the first, was the first taste of that. And Andor leaned into it. Um, I mean, you could also say that about Solo. Solo was the second one that did that. It was great. And I like Solo too, but like Andor was, man, Andor is so serious. Like there was, like even B2 emo aside, I would say that there's (laughs) no, there's no actual intended comic Mm. relief in Andor. And that's the first time we've gotten that in Star Wars. Not a lot of jokes. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's it's a pretty pretty gritty, dark, dark world, as one might imagine, uh, with yeah. when you're kind of working on the ground with the uh, with the uh, boots down and the empire, empire uh, getting what it wants from from your from your society, and not really giving yeah. a shit about your society. And this is, and historically, this is like we get to see the point where the empire was really cracking, like was really putting on the clamps, and really trying the best to assert their power and dominance. And by by not focusing on the the Jedi and the you know the, all the space wizard stuff, which I mean we all love, right? But um, I think this is the first time, one of the first times we really see a great example of how bad the empire was for just regular people for just people like not for politicians, not for the resistance, not for, um, you know, these various factions that we've seen a lot of in the other, uh, star Wars media in this one, we see them like, like literal fascism happening in action. And, and I, I don't, I can't think of another thing where we got such a clear example of that. No, it was, and particularly when Cassian goes, when he's, when he's, he's, they've done the job, he's got his share, he's got his money and he's just going to, he goes to see his mom and his mom's like, I can't go with you. He's like, I'm fucking off to like beach planet city. I'm going to Miami. Miami. (laughs) Miami, Right. Like, um, it's like M apostrophe I hyphen AMI, right? Miami. And he's like, and I'm going to just like relax. And he's, not bothering anybody and he gets fucking arrested just for being like in the wrong place at the wrong time for mouthing off to a k2so right for like for for whatever it is like it's just it was so good that that it and then it's like of course not only that this would normally be a six month penance penance but we have this new order down from the empire that we are increasing all sentencing by tenfold so it's actually six years and it's just like wait what like this this tiny little infraction. And that I think is one of those things that just shows such injustice. I saw people online talking about that scene in particular being like, man, that's some bullshit. I don't understand how that happened. It's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh so here's the thing about the cops that maybe I don't know is they can do that. 
<laughs> but like with with things like you know mandatory minimum sentencing, like mm-hmm. it's it's like kind of the same thing. It was like very this, this, yeah. are clear. A cop can arrest you for for no reason at all at any time. Yep. Yeah, right man. now, hate yeah. America. Tony Gilroy was not fucking around with this. Like, yeah, uh, it was, no. it was. He made it. He made it very clear what parallels he was drawing to American society, you know, to global society. It was, it was great. Yeah, which is that's that's one of the things. Number one that I liked about Andor is, you know, to some degree, and well, I, I'm. You know, I'm just presuming, and I think with 100% accuracy, that we've all seen people talking online who honestly were not aware of the political statements, yeah. the social political statements that George Lucas even put in the first one. Right. Like, let alone, they're like, Star Wars isn't political. It's just like, you know, the same people was like, when did Star Trek get so well? Political? <laughs> like literally oh, 1967 I, or whatever, whenever yeah. it debuted. When I, but literally the first episode is when Star Trek got woke. Uh, yeah. What's amazing, what's amazing is that I didn't see any negative chatter online about this show no all i saw was people saying this show's fucking incredible i can't believe they're getting away with it i can't believe they're making it my god this is so good or i saw people saying i haven't been watching it but everyone says it's great but i didn't see any of the like there wasn't any talk about this being woke trash or like calling for kathleen kennedy to fight to to to, to quit or anything like which is (laughs) That is saying something too, considering like this. This dealt with in, in, in issues of indigenous people, transracial adoptees, uh, all sorts of shit was brought up. And Marxism, yeah. Authorita- <laughs> authoritarianism, yeah. Uh, yeah, community like community networks and community support structure in the nope. in the absence of systemic support. And mm-hmm. yeah, like this, like Andor was just like we're just like all statements yeah. <laughs> you know we're it's like we're not going to pretend there's not going to be any plausible deniability and they you know took that and i think the degree to which they were just like we're not going to back down from it like stuff's going to be totally plain explicitly um, that, anti-fascist mm-hmm. yeah what? like that adds to the tension and the stakes and the whole espionage mm-hmm. i think um, it's it's kind of telling that of you know almost the first thing that happens in this series you know the first thing that happens in episode one is Andor kills a couple of guys Cops. He yeah. doesn't kill a couple guys. He, he kills a couple. Yeah. He, well, he kills. <laughs> yes, he, he kills. He kills a couple of. Actually, they're rent a cops more more than actual cops. It seems, but corporate, corporate, mm-hmm. yeah, corporate cops. cops but yeah. but but you know, the first one's kind of an accident, and the second one is is like, well, in for a penny. Uh, yeah. And yeah. he just he just pulls the trigger, and there's there's actually several moments in this show where where Andor is like, well. Uh, I have one choice right now, and that's that's to kill a fucker, mm-hmm. and he just does it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he's certainly an anti-hero. He's got his problems, but 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 uh, but his choices, the 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 way we watch him, him kind of walking from self-preservation and self-serving behavior to recognizing that there's to to you know where he hates the empire sure you know i mean we all hate the empire but but understanding that he's got to do something about it 
Uh, but I think what's established right from the get-go is that he is capable of doing something about it. He's more than capable of doing something about it. Being able to act has never been his issue. It's it's almost that he's a loaded gun that needs to get pointed at something. Um, yeah. Well, that's Luthien's kind of whole deal, right? Is like, this kid's useful. I'm going to aim him at the Empire. That's That's kind of like his whole recruitment of him is I'm going to put this kid to use. I will say too, like I think what you're saying about him, him, you know, he starts out self-preserving. You could even say self-serving, but we see him when with the Canari, and those scenes with the Canari were so cool because, like, I mean, I had to look it up. I was like, are we? Did is some? Do we have the wrong setting that we're not getting any subtitles? But that they chose to not subtitle the Canari was huge because it was like you need to, you you don't get it. You're not part of. You know, you're just gonna get. And so, ripped from a place where his entire people were were killed i mean were massacred and he was taken away as a way of saving him but also boy doesn't that feel a little white saviory right like we're going to save this boy and so he's always kind of had that sense of like you have to do what you have to do to be alive to, to survive but then i feel like he sees so much of himself in skeen uh the guy in the crew that oh, at yeah. the end at the end of the crew arc the guy who's like i mean what if it's just you and me and we split the money the guy he kills because he's yeah. like nah that i think you know, I've I've seen people say, like, do you think that was him testing, you know, Cassian? Or was that actually him saying, like, let's split with the money? And I think it was Skeen being like, you and me, we're alike. We're yeah. both out for ourselves. Like, let's yeah. let's do that and be out for ourselves. And I think that was a real turning point for Cassian where he, he realized he had to decide. And I don't think that I think, honestly, if he hadn't met the Marxist kid whose name I can't think of, Nemec, if he hadn't met Nemec and heard his, some of his manifesto about how we have to stand up, we all have to be there to fight, maybe he would have gone with Skeen. Maybe he would have been like, fuck this and split the money, you know, and and it was it was there was just so many amazing emotional turning point moments for this character throughout this series. And I can't I can't wait for series two. That's I saw some people talking about. Like the 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 trail of dominoes, where it starts with you know this scrappy kid writing writing his own manifesto on a on a notebook, and how that moment is a critical thing that led to the empire's eventual downfall. Right? Mm -hmm. Like like would would Andor have been radicalized if not for Nimic's words and sacrifice? Right? Yeah. Maybe not. And then. If there wasn't Andor, Rogue One mm -hmm. wouldn't have succeeded. They wouldn't have had the Death Star plans. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have. Like, it all comes back to, like, this scrappy kid with his, you know, Marxist ideals, right? Yeah. Well, not only that, but I think, you know, after after Nemec, then when, um, um, you know, the the other dude was just like, let's, let's just, let's just run. And, and Cassian was like, no. Like, that mm -hmm. whole, that whole confluence of th that, of events. Yeah. Was, gelled the beginning of like gelled the beginning of his change whereas mm -hmm. like it at the beginning um was that a, was that no it wasn't Ferrix where he shot the security guys yeah it was yeah, yeah it was yeah. Ferrix. It, yeah. it was his home yeah, was, yeah. he shot them so like and again like when he, when he shot you know the guys on Ferrix that was self-preservation um, but then like in rogue one, when the first time we see him and he shoots the rebel informant or the other dude and, you know, it, it's the, you know, the, the regret was there, but then he was doing it like for more for the benefit of the whole movement. Mm -hmm. 
and so that the movement could survive. And that like tied in with Luthien's speech with mm-hmm. the um, Imperial informant with the guy on the inside. Cause Luthien, you know, Luthien went on that whole oh, yeah. of all the things. He's like, what have I given up? He's like, I've given up blah, blah, blah. He's like, I've done things that I never would have done in all like this, humanity, you know? So family. other people, yeah. so other people and I'm doing it. So other people don't have to, he's like, and that's my burden. He's like, you know, so I think Cassian, that moment in Rogue One tied back to all of that. Oh, and it for gave, sure. Yeah. It, uh, that whole speech with, I think it, maybe Luthen or Luthien, I can't remember Luthien, Luthen, um, the, you know, the Skarsgård. Um, yeah. In that speech, that, that speech has one of the, one of the things that people are using as evidence to support a theory that Luthen is an ex-Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about when he's talking about the sacrifices he has made, he's talking about how he has given up everything and he's talking about how, what he's given up is his, is his sense of right and his sense of balance. And he says, it's all part of an equation he wrote 15 years ago, which lines up with, with the order 66 mm. from, from, uh, and pretty, pretty well. Um, there's the fact that he's carrying around this Kyber crystal worth, you know, 30,000 credits or whatever, but he says it has more value to me than those credits. He's certainly attached mm-hmm. to this Kyber crystal in some way. And he's got this cane that he's carrying around and the way he's carrying it and the way he's, he's holding it at his side is very lightsaber-ish. And then if you look in his shop, he's got all these Jedi curios. He has holocrons in his back room and those are absolutely black market illegal i mean at least gray market right and the fact that him being an antiquities dealer might might be a way for him to get away with having you know jedi stuff yeah in in a way that doesn't directly incriminate him there's uh, there's some pretty persuasive theories i'm not sure if i buy them but just like going back and rewatching a little bit with that in mind it's like oh fuck (laughs) this guy is like someone that had a hard fall after order 66 and whether that's because he was a Jedi or something else, you know, who knows? I think, I think we'll learn more in season two about, uh, a lot of, a lot of things. And certainly I think about Luthen's, uh, history and whether it has anything to do with, with the Jedi or, or not. Um, I think, uh, what's, what's fascinating is, you know, yeah, obviously the focus is on Cassian, but there, there's a lot more going on, right? You know, we've, We've Moan Mothma is is a character that that is kind of, you know, she shows up in uh, in Return of the Jedi and and has this this backstory that we've all heard about. But uh, now we're finally finally starting to fill in some of the some of the the empty spots about about her. And um, and and I think that's really, really a a cool idea. You know, obviously her and Cassian are going to are going to they're they're going to connect there's because there's a point where she falls and she's not a not a senator anymore and she's on the run uh from the empire so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how all of that comes together and um it sounds like the the next series is rather than sort of following you know in a fairly short period of time it's going to jump like it's going to jump like a year into the future for the first three episodes and then a year beyond that for the next oh, three man. episodes and then the, yeah, the, the next four. Into Rogue One. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like the final four episodes will almost end at the point that Rogue One starts. Uh, so I'm going to start w- the movie. There, yeah, right? <laughs> there will not be a season three. There will not be a season yeah, three. Yeah. I, I, so Mon Mothma, uh, the actor they got to play her, God, I love her. I think she's so good. And she, uh, her, her, her husband, oh. her rich, spoiled, uh. Just you know, doing whatever he wants. Guy, husband, is such, uh, it's so good. And like the the way that she you you see like like, I mean, she's these people she's around. I don't know. It feels very much like um, peak white liberal, right? Uh, like yeah. you're you're at a cocktail party with a bunch of other rich white liberals, and all of a sudden someone's like, "Well, I heard that crime is up." But it's like crime. That sounds scary. Like there was literally a scene where they're all at her cocktail party and one of them was like, well, the empire wouldn't be cracking down if it wasn't important. There's been so much crime. And it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, like this is literally like all of the people who donate to Jacob Fry. Like this is their party <laughs> where they're like, no, we need a strong mayor to help. He's going to fund the police double. Like, just... uh, for, for people that don't, under- that's uh, Minneapolis's current uh, disappointing oh, yeah, mayor. Sorry, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Our, yeah. Our, yeah. our strong boy mayor. Current uh, in a long line yeah, of disappointing like, mayors. Yeah. yeah, but like her and then like the way she had to kind of feel out with her old friend where her old friend's like, well, I don't know if we want to talk because I have a feeling I don't think what I want to talk about is something that's going to is going to be something you like. And she has to be like, maybe we should try and see what he's <laughs> like these days and like that. And and her cousin, who was, you know, in charge, basically the leader of oh, the yeah. of the heist, which that's yeah. great. Um, and then. On top of that, you've got her daughter wanting to be a trad wife and like <laughs> trying to like she wants to get like betrothed at 14. She wants to do the whole like traditional path. Meanwhile, her mother is this like trying to like figure out how to rebel against the empire. It's yeah. so much to juggle and I love it. And they never did like the she never had some dumb monologue where she's like, it's all just so much. Like, yeah. she, you know, yeah. you just see, you just see it in her face. It. Yes. A- am I am yes. I uh now I I want to see if anybody else read this the whole the whole like conversation in the limousine about about her husband gambling yeah. again that's all bullshit yeah. right she's just yeah. bullshitting yeah. Yeah. for the for the chauffeur yeah. she's oh, like yeah. she's just that's, like yeah. feeding him shit to throw them off her trail uh and her husband yeah, is like her husband is genuinely okay, baffled by the whole hu- thing her husband's like what the <laughs> fuck yeah. are you talking <laughs> about <laughs> and I thought well, that was brilliant. He clearly did have a gambling problem. He right. did have a gambling yeah. problem and he did stop. And so she's like, I know it's you. And he's like, bitch, I did. Oh, like, <laughs> you know, what I love because like, if you, it's cause like, okay, like you've been caught out in that situation. You know that like what, anything you say is going to sound like a lie. And they're obviously their marriage is unhappy. So she's not sacrificing a good marriage for the cause of the rebellion. But yeah. she's realizing that she has an opportunity to like, who cares if I piss him off? He sucks. You know, so like, <laughs> it was an arranged marriage, just like her it daughter. It was an arranged wants. marriage, yeah. just yeah. like her daughter. And that's why she like, doesn't want her daughter in that. Yeah. They established when she's talking to Luthen that um, her, they have people following her and listening to her, mm-hmm. including her chauffeur who comes into the shop with her. Like the yeah. first yeah. time she goes in the shop to, to meet with him. So yeah, she's absolutely throwing throwing him under the bus or setting him up to take the fall for her money laundering because she doesn't want to marry off her daughter. Only ISB won't care. 
Right. They won't care about his gambling debts. They'll just be like, oh, rich people and their fucking bullshit, yeah. you know? Or, yeah. or they'll arrest him or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right? Because, like, yeah, they're just, yeah. I, I liked that because, number one, it finally followed through on the suspicion that she and Luthen talked about or or hinted at. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, she's just like, she's, that was great. It's like she's doing, that was another thing that showed her savvy and her, that showed her savvy and her agility. And, mm-hmm. like, also... But yeah, she just she just set up a lot of plausible deniability for that. Like like you said, so that the ISB would be like, oh, she's you know this money is for her. it's just disappearing because of her for husband's my gambling. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, yeah, oh no, and then that also. <clears throat> no, when I when when that scene came up, I actually thought that he actually that she actually did catch him in mm. in slipping a little bit and that that also motivated her turn to the gangster and like was the last piece that pushed her into doing the thing with it's like yes my I'll introduce my daughter to your son and that was that's another thing with the relationship between her and her daughter is that she wants so much different for her daughter than she had mm-hmm. and like it's almost like her daughter doesn't see the relationship between how strained the relationship between her parents are. She loves her like dad. she, dad's the good one. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so that's even worse for what she wants because she's going to do that. You know, her doing that is all also has the extra kicker of pissing her mom off. Of I feel like, like she sees Oh, her you're gonna tell me. Really- so I feel like she sees her parents' relationship and she's like, the reason that they're not doing well is because my mom isn't being a good wife. Mm. Like, yeah, my mom is the one who, who's she's too busy for crazy. the family. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that that reads pretty clearly. That's what her daughter thinks. Um, and she just I doesn't have time for her mom. And her, and her dad basically, like, does whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I wonder if they're setting up this her being like Molly said, the, the, the space trad wife. Um, <laughs> I wonder if they're setting this up to uh, if, like, if she doesn't end up in this arranged marriage with the gangsters kid, I wonder if she's going to end up being like a conservative, you know, traditionalist. And she is what eventually is what gets Mon Mothma found out. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like if yeah. she snitches on her mom because she finds out her mom's a, a rebel or if she finds out and all of a sudden that wins her over and now she's a part of the you know relationship again. I don't know. Yeah. Or she takes over her mom's Senate seat and uh, and oh. is entirely <laughs> different. I mean, I could see that, uh, you know, and I, I kept wondering if any of the like imperial uh, characters we saw were ever going to kind of turn out to slowly get pulled over to the rebel side. And I, I keep wondering if, if that's, if that's going to happen, if, if at least I'm one of these, <laughs> if I'm hoping to sure, see that. Cyril. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not Cyril. Not definitely not Cyril. Well, like I, love what, him. I, I do like that character too. Also, but like, I've wondered that too, because my, my current thing, and I haven't read any of the books. Apparently there's, there's, there's some of this covered in the book, hmm. but going from like Clone Wars and Rebels, like how the hell Wolf Yularen 
decided ultimately decided to stick with the empire mm. like from the republic to the empire and he's apparently actually in the meeting room in a new hope oh. where vader chokes the dude um where we first see vader choke mm. choke a guy <laughs> vader chokes a bitch um and so i only learned through watching all the easter eggs from andor easter egg videos that it's like oh this is that freaking this is the dude from rebels this is the mm -hmm. dude from clone wars and now he's full on with the empire and not only that but he's in isb whites it's like dude yeah but i would like to see hopefully we'll see some defectors like in yeah. the next season yeah i keep i i'm lo i've lost her name but isb lady i keep wondering i, I kept wondering deirdre, deirdre. if deirdre was going to be one of those who slowly even though she seems totally empire was one of those characters that that was going to get kind of kind of swung somehow i don't know that I that's going to happen i feel like and one of the things i like about her is uh we don't often get uh uh women who are full on for the empire who are no. like true believers who are not like not, you know, oh, like Asajj Ventress. It's like, oh, she's dark side. No, not like that. I mean, yeah. like fucking she believes in order and the law and the emperor. And she is like full on about it. And the she and Cyril Karn both had this like intensity around mm -hmm. the eyes that is just so hungry and angry. And like it just you can just tell that each of them has this deep fucking hole inside that they have decided to fill with the empire because they need righteousness. They need to feel like they are on the side of good. And the way, my God, the way that the uh, uh, Kyle Soller who plays Cyril Karn, the way his voice gets tremulous uh -huh. when he's talking about, but they, oh yeah, Cassian killed and or killed two of our own. And he's getting like, just this, like he's killed two people and he's going to pay like it just, and it, and, it's so, then he sees Deidre, it's like D-E-D-R-A, like Dedra, but Dedra, he sees yeah. Deidre and he's just like, she's like, I feel like he sees himself, he sees someone else who vibrates on that same frequency and that's why he's fucking in love with oh, her. Yeah. It's like he, he just like, he just sees someone else who gets it, you know? I, I feel like with those two characters, um, but they're both great characters, I, I feel like, especially with Cyril, they've given us someone that we can really like we can empathize with his plight and with his like job and his mom who is like the most terrible person in star wars oh, man. <laughs> and and um and his you know space cereal that he eats and all that stuff like i feel like they've given us someone that we can really empathize with but then also it's like look there will be people you empathize with who you have a lot in common with who are also complete and total tools of the empire who will do everything they can to keep the boot on your throat. And that's right? certainly like, Cyril. Yeah. The, the mm -hmm. empire is full of regular ass fucking people who also yeah. have the same problems as you that you will sympathize with. And, and yet, and I, I, that's another thing that I don't think we've gotten a lot of in star Wars is like, otherwise basically goodish people who just choose fascism. Yeah. Well, like we, it's, it's real because that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got a little bit of that with Bill Burr's character in the Mandalorian. Oh yeah. 
And except we, we, he was on the other side of it and he was just like, you know, he, oh, yeah. he was a former Imperial and he's just like, oh, that was all bullshit, man. Right, like, right. He's like, we were out there and we were believing it. Like we were eating it all up. And what we were pretty much doing was like making, making shit hard for everyday people who wanted to survive. And we wanted to survive too. And we wanted a better life. And we thought we were giving it to them mm-hmm. and we were going to give it to them no matter what. And we were wrong. And Yeah. Speaking of uh, eating it all up and giving it to them, uh, I was very excited that there were space lesbians, uh, actually, <laughs> lesbians uh, who were together and they didn't like, it wasn't like, I mean, they made it very clear that they were in a love relationship. Like they, they yeah. it wasn't just like, oh, those two girls, they sure like each other's company. Like they're they, good they friends. Her my love. Like they, they said, like it was, they asked about each other. Mothma asked about her, you yeah. know, to, when she asked yeah. her cousin how it was going, like, and, yeah. And one of them's more, uh, a little bit more married to the game than she is the, the yeah. other woman. And, yeah. and she's, you saw a little bit of maybe not jealousy, but yeah, envy or hurt over that. It too. was, it yeah. was really, it was really good to see that. And that's, I mean, that's, I'm pretty sure that's the first time we've seen a same sex relationship in star Wars. Very like at, at all, even, even towing the line of explicitly. I think like, well, like a kiss no, there's, there's a, a there's a, there's a same sex kiss at the end of rides of Skywalker. Uh, mm-hmm. that, I will say though, like I've kissed girls that I wasn't in a relationship. Yeah. But, you know the, I mean? the, like, yeah, but that, that's not what that shot was about, but even so it's, it's, that's true. That, that, that's true. That, and, and it was, you know, the only, the only minor criticism I'm going to throw at him is, uh, it's great that they've shown that two women can have a relationship in, uh, in a, in the Star Wars universe. It would be good if they could show that two men could also have a relationship <laughs> in, in the yeah, Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they're the dipping their, frontier, they're, they're dipping their toe in the pool. So I guess we gotta, we gotta give them, we gotta give them some credit for that. And yeah. absolutely I do. I thought it was good that they had a, a same sex relationship and they didn't make it weird. They didn't make it seem like it was unusual or or strange died yeah <laughs> you know you know who we haven't talked about at all that i thought was fucking amazing even though he's only in three episodes oh. uh andy circus oh as, was he oh in this boy. show i oh, didn't notice yeah. <laughs> it was dude weird the, because like, he wasn't cgi every, uh <laughs> yeah everyone's uh everyone's talking about uh luthan's uh big moment of of oration and then and people are talking about nemec's you know manifesto the big quote in there about you know how the times will be tough and and meanwhile andy circus gives the one of the best fucking monologues in the whole show when he he finally you know gets his hands on that mic at the end it's just so yeah. good uh, yeah. yeah one way out one, one way, way out. out just that just that oh my god yeah it's and like, then Oh, and then after that, the heartbreak, like they all, they all like the, their success with the jailbreak. And he's just like, I can't swim. I can't swim. Yeah. Big, uh-huh. uh, big Moses vibes, right? Like yeah. he gets to lead like, them to I, the promised land, but he doesn't get to go with. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't keep it's about water and there's water to get to cross water to get there. I, like I, I thought that was kind of, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously not like a big Bible fan or anything, but yeah. I thought the, the, um, allegory was neat i keep wondering if we're going to see him again and i don't i don't know i mean because they don't show him die right i keep wondering if they're going to get back to that to that prison and he's still going to be there or something you know maybe he he made a raft out of (laughs) guards out of the (laughs) bodies of the dead guards and swam swam to shore on some death star widgets yeah that prison 
that prison was fucking amazing. And it was, yeah. so, I, I saw someone say it was a love letter to THX 1138. Oh, yeah. And I can't disagree. <laughs> I mean, but it was oh. like the, the concepting of the prison was so good that they're all barefoot and the floors are electrocuted. And that's all you have to do to keep like tens of thousands of grown ass. It looked like only men, yeah. you know, uh, quiet, docile and doing whatever the fuck you say. It's, and, a, it's a true panopticon. And, yeah. And the concept of the you everybody gets you get all the food you want. You get all of the you get all the nutrient paste you want, except it doesn't have flavor unless you win. And you even get to eat. You don't get punished without food. There's no there's no they don't take away food as a way of punishing you. Which I always thought that was so stupid in prisons where they have a work prison because it's like, well, how am I supposed to work if you don't feed me? So the fact that it's like you get shocked. If you're the bottom team, you get shocked. Everybody eats. Top team gets flavor. It was just this one little like throwaway line that I didn't even have to go back to. But just hearing like top team gets flavor was like, oh, my God, that would break you so fast. Like just just having all your needs met, but with zero pleasure will break you down so quickly. Oh, yeah. And and it was just it was just beautiful. And when he the whole like as he was asking over and over, how many guards, how many guards, how many guards? And everyone just kept saying, don't fucking talk. Shut up, shut up. And finally, when the guy, the old guy dies and the medic says like, you know, like we're just going to let him die. It doesn't matter. And he turns to Kino and he's like, how many guards? And Kino says eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was like, I don't even think he asks him. I think he just unprompted says how many guards are at that point. It's, but yeah, still. Yeah, it's just it such stuff. a like. It was such a good, and it was, I think it was like the end of the episode. Yeah. It was just like, oh, fucking I, A, yeah. I also love that Cashian figures out very quickly, nobody's fucking listening to the prisoners. They're all like, oh, we can't, we can't talk shit here in, here in, in the yeah. cell block. It's like, sure we can. Nobody gives a fuck. They, they yeah. aren't listening to us because they know yeah. that we can't yeah. leave our cell. Because yep, if we do, we will I'm die. actually referring to is called yeah. Nobody's Listening. Like that's the title of it. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It, they they are, and 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 it's something that Cashin says early when he's when he's um, talking to Stellan Scar Scarsgard and um, and it's like the Empire is is so confident that they're better mm -hmm. that you can just walk in and steal shit and they won't even notice, and it's the same mm -hmm. thing with the with the jail. It's like they are so confident that you can't get out. And that they mm -hmm. have you under their thumb, that they're not even listening. That you could, and it doesn't. It doesn't occur to them that people would rather die. And that's the thing is like once they find out that they're not leaving, that the only way out is death or escape. That that's it. Then it's like, well, if it's death or escape, then and, we might as well try to escape. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, death one got, way or death another way. <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. And. I, I it's 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 something that I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't learn until I was looking into this for the show. Um, so the first editor listed, uh, Tony or excuse me, John Gilroy is Tony Gilroy's brother. And mm -hmm. and I, I wonder I, I didn't look up to see if they'd worked together before, but I feel like the editing of this show did such a good job. And in the prison, especially because the way they edited the scenes where they were doing the work. You know, just like the way, like all of the, the stuff they were building and the whole time you're like, what are they building? Mm. What are they building? And then when we get to see at the very end, you know, the pull away 
from the the tiny i mean it's not tiny it's a huge fucking thing that looks like it probably weighs about a, about a ton but they pull away from it and it's this tiny little tiny bit of the death star that was just so cool the editing in this was really great and i mm. i wonder if that is to you know if part of that goes to them being brothers and having a close working relationship or not the wakowskis or the russos yeah yeah, yeah. Man. And another thing that the prison reminded me of was um, the clone facilities on Camino, like the internal oh, sure, shots man. with like the, like the, you know, the tubes and columns and like not only of the, um, of the, of the little incubation pods, but like the, where the clones were, you know, where they would walk mm-hmm. or where they would congregate. It reminded me of, it reminded me of that a little too. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the same way where clones were mostly thought of by were the by by some part of the republic um infrastructure you know the command structure whatever were seen of as yeah, seen as being a little bit disposable or yeah. treated a little bit um Sub- not not quite yeah subhuman whereas like you have people like Kenobi and Ahsoka and um you know Anakin who really definitely humanized them and had full on relationships with their clone troops and their clone commanders mm-hmm. whereas they were just you know being cranked out otherwise like machines out of Kamino you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh Speaking of like connections to like Clone Wars and things like that, I I'm glad we got a taste of Saw Gerrera. Mm. I feel like that's all we ever get is a taste of Saw Gerrera. Oh. I would like to see I would like to see more Saw Gerrera. I would like to see more of this. Um, you know the the Rebel group that all the other Rebel groups are like, nah, they are too extreme. <laughs> like that's I I mean they are his group are like basically straight up terrorists, right? Mm-hmm. That's how they're viewed by by uh, many. Uh, and I know that maybe showing them as heroes is risky and they have to be really careful about how much they reveal with him just mm-hmm. as, you know, responsible storytellers, I guess. But all the same, like, I, re- I would love to see more Sagarera, please. Well, and what's interesting is this in the scene where we saw him, uh, Luthen <laughs> is saying... Uh, you know, they're talking about uh, oh, the guy, his, the, the pilot they're sending him yeah, to. Yeah, the other dude. His name, the I can't group. remember. Yeah. yeah. And they're talking about him and it's like, well, they're going to kill him. And he's like, yep. He's like, you know he's going in to get slaughtered. And Luthen's like, yes. Is that a problem? And so I was like, uh. You'd do that to me too, wouldn't yeah, you? Well, but I mean like, so it's so interesting because we keep, all we ever heard in Rogue One was, yeah, Saw Guerrero is crazy. His group is too extreme. Like they're too much. But here we see, you know, one of our protagonists, almost I would yeah. say heroes of the show, Luthen being like, no, I will do whatever the fuck it takes. I would kill them over and over if it meant, you know, ending the empire. And I wonder if almost we are seeing the beginning in that scene, we are seeing Saw becoming a little bit more radicalized and maybe tipping over into the like no he makes a good point and the only way we're going to win this is if we aren't afraid to lose yeah you know so which i mean and that's a little bit of what's going on in 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 rogue one isn't it i mean that's the 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 point of that that mission the point of of Cashin uh, going on that mission and and agreeing to do it is that whole idea of 
we are so afraid to not lose that we aren't taking advantage of of the the opportunity we have to win. Um, yeah. 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 And and not being afraid to even and getting to the point by the time we get to Rogue One where it's not only about not being afraid to like to have other people die. But he's like, yeah, he's like, we're we're all probably going to die during this. Yeah. You know, it's 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 our turn now. Like yeah. everybody, you know, there have been a lot of other people who have died to get to this point. And now it's at this point and it's our turn and we just got to do it. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. I like seeing, I like knowing like the whole rogue one thing and getting, I don't remember, like it was, there was like some, I think it was in, in some article. So I, I forget. I, but um, in a work slack, they post <laughs> one of my coworkers posted it. And the piece was written by somebody who, obviously was not much of a star Wars fan sure. and it was written for people who were mostly not star Wars fans. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and there was like a throwaway, there was a throwaway comment about Cassian being a barely memorable character from <laughs> rogue one. And then something about like questioning if people care about a backstory for the character. I was like, were we watching the same? <laughs> oh, right. Like how, like, like Cassian is one of those characters that, you know, it's like backstory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do we have this rebel dude who wasn't afraid to shoot an informant? And he had that line in rogue one that says, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. And ever since then I've been like, like, what is your story? (laughs) (laughs) What happened Uh, between six and 36 or whatever, you know, I I can't let this show end without us talking about uh, Edie Karn, Cyril's mother (laughs) uh, played incredibly by Catherine Hunter. Uh, My God, his overbearing mom with her bowls of cereal and the blue milk and just being like, I cook for you every day. She says as she pours cereal. Why don't you talk to your (laughs) uncle? Why don't you do this? Your uniform looks shoddy. You're never going to be important. What are you doing? What are you doing at work? Like just, she seems so, and she's so, (laughs) and it's just like his, you just see that it's like, okay, First of all, I understand why this guy takes to fascism like a duck to water because he's been <laughs> raised fascist. His mom has been the overbearing presence in his life. Like he understands, you know. And then secondly, you see why work is so important to him because it is an escape. It's not just an escape yeah. from being around her, but it's also an escape from her like ire and her fucking nagging and if he can just be important then he can tell her to shut up but until he's important he can't tell her to shut up and it's just it was so good and i i loved the cereal because of course they've got cereal if you've got grains in a society you're gonna someone's making breakfast cereal right (laughs) of course it was great i thought she did such a good job uh and then one last thing i need to mention is that uh the actor who plays the guy that does the uh the the hammer yeah, and the yeah. anvil that sounds the time in the town. Uh, the actor's last name is Bell. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> that was a, that was a cool character. Number yeah. one, I love that yeah. cool character, and he was just it was like the importance in what 
uh, was what might be considered a menial job, but like he treated it so ritualistically. And it's because like, literally he is letting the entire town, you know, know what time it is. This mm -hmm. town, which is an industrial era town. The it's like, yeah. Oh my God. And the whole brick thing. My brick God. Thing so good. Yeah. I, I know I've said I want to be and, cremated, but, uh, uh, change of plans when I die, turn me into a brick and use it to hit a fascist. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw it into a police station, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's use yeah, that. I brick. Love the, yep, let's His use that brick for something useful. Time grappler, yeah, the I, time, yeah, the time, time grappler, gra the time grappler. That's yeah, cool. yeah, but uh, I loved Marva as well, uh, yes. And Aunt, oh, Aunt Petunia. I love Fiona Shaw. Fiona yeah. Shaw is incredible in everything she's in. If you haven't seen uh, what it was a spy shit she's in. Uh, oh, uh, Killing Eve. Oh, yeah. uh, oh Killing, Killing Eve. Eve. Okay. Fiona Shaw is in Killing Eve, and she's like the head of MI5, and she's incredible. Oh. Like, it, it, she's so good. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's like she's like uh, uh, Luthen is in this. She yeah. is like cutthroat and she's going to be one to pay the costs in other people's lives to get shit done yeah to get done. she's great like yeah she's she's phenomenal in in uh killing eve and she was another great character like speaking of parallels and statements and politics like she and the organization ah i'm blocking i'm blanking on the the daughters of the, daughters the of daughters of ferrix daughters of ferrix yeah. yeah yeah like it it was like that organization and that character of Marva was another statement of parallels of like how important women and how instrumental women have been in revolutionary movements. Like, yeah, looking, looking like historically, globally, you know, and Marva and the daughters of Ferrix were that stand in. And she was, mm -hmm. she was a rock. She was a rock in Cassian's life. She was mm -hmm. a rock, like, in the live with Cassian's dad in, yeah, in Ferrix, like in Ferrix period, mm -hmm. you know? And it was also really cool that Cassian was shown the importance of care in different ways by both of his parents. Like, and it stepped outside what, especially in the USA is seen as traditional gender roles of parents mm -hmm. You know, his dad and his mother, you know, Marva and his dad were both caring and they both taught him important lessons. Mm -hmm. And I feel like his dad taught him lessons more directly. And Marva taught mostly by example and by words. Sometimes, you know, she'd like throw little nuggets in his ear. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. like in the importance of. So, yeah, like things like that, like the importance of mm -hmm. women to a revolution. And um, even then, again, also, when you get back to Dejumero, and even if you like think in the video games with um, with Aiden Verso, mm -hmm. you know, and then once with the sequel trilogy, you see lots of women <laughs> you see yeah. lots of women in the in the first order and in Kenobi and you know the other things we see oh yeah. that that there are women who are inquisitors and then it shows also like parallels when you get to talking about 
people who voted for Donald Trump (laughs) or Herschel Walker and people like try to blame it. It's like, Oh, you know, Stacey Abrams didn't win because of this, or Mm -hmm. it was so close because of this. It's like, let's look at how many white women are complicit Mm -hmm. in that, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's really, yeah. So part of me is like, I wonder if star Wars is going to do anything parallel with like how reconstruction was dismantled by, mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, how and how other things still continue to be dismantled by people who are like, oh, well, we're not getting that. So these people who, you know, we totally don't see as lesser deserving than we are getting this thing that we're not getting, you know, I'm not racist, but I, you know, but yeah. dot, 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 you know. Well, and like with B2 Emo, we're seeing, I mean, that was like people being respectful of a droid's feelings and a droid's grief which is cool so are we going to talk about the fact that droids are slaves yet or what's going on because like (laughs) they are sentient they have emotions they have attachments they develop relationships and they are they have we can just shut them down they have gender but we're just going to power them down when they're inconvenient come uh, on restraining bolt yeah it's there's a whole conversation they they started with solo that i think is almost i genuinely think has actually been too uncomfortable for disney to want to pursue yeah i just don't think they know how to talk about it they 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 know they're willing to bring it up but they're not willing to willing willing to really go in depth with it because i don't i they don't even know how to start i think just the the mere existence of restraining bolts is super fucked up the millennium falcon's (laughs) a lot more fucked up when you find out how (laughs) it's like oh that's why they went to lando Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ships well, I mean, literally in love with him. Yeah. All right, so uh, we need to move on to five questions before we do. I just need to throw around. Uh, does anybody have any final thoughts on uh, Andor season one? There, there's so much there that it seems impossible to talk about it in just like, you know. 45 to 60 minutes it's like and like so if anybody's out there listening going hey they didn't talk about this they didn't talk about that it's like you know we we are a bunch of friends who are really excited and we will personally be talking about this more in the future you just won't get to hear about it but i mean yeah like those those things that you're wondering why we forgot they're there and we're probably thinking about them we just have time constraints and at least at least two of us are neurodivergent, so we're just gonna like you know, <laughs> go wherever two. the heck we go, you know, <laughs> wherever the heck we go, and and we're gonna flow with it. So if you're disappointed, please know that we're probably thinking about it too. We just didn't get to it because we like if you know if Andor's your favorite thing, we like your favorite thing too. So you know, there's just a lot, yeah, and absolutely. we're in a great time of Star Wars, you know. I I, so, I did want to say that I, I I enjoy the fact that one quarter of this show is a heist film and one quarter of this show is a prison <laughs> break film. Uh, in addition to everything else that's going on, they're just like, oh, let's do a heist. Now let's do a prison break. I thought that was great. <laughs> so anything else, Nick or Molly? No, I don't think so. I think that's. Uh... Oh, no. I do not oh, see. Oh no! They have frozen. I, I hope we get. Yeah, I don't know what happened there or something. Um, You're back. Yep. Strange. I, uh, you know, if I if I had to pick one thing from Andor that we haven't talked about to bring up, it's uh, I hope 
is proof or an example to the folks at Disney that like you don't need Jedi, you don't need uh, adventure. You can do a Star Wars spy thriller. You could do a Star Wars comedy. Mm-hmm. You could do a Star Wars horror movie. A Star like, Wars holiday special. Yeah. Well, okay. Hang on. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I just I hope they see the success of this and they take note and and explore what else they can do with Star Wars because uh again like this is you know my favorite Star Wars thing now. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. well we're going to move on to five questions. Greg, you have not answered our new five questions uh which is oh, I'm uh, excited. very common uh actually amongst our listeners who have not answered our five questions. So uh we're excited to ask them today. Nick, why don't you start us off with question number 1? Question one, what's a game you've played recently that you really enjoyed? Um, it's a card-based game called Coup. C-O-U-P. Oh, yeah. And I had not ever played it before. Some good friends of ours bought it for us as a gift, and we only just played it with a group of friends um, a couple months ago and loved it. And I'm going to go get the expansions. Oh yeah. 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 Although I, you know, I've hidden. Yeah. I've played with the expansions and I got to say that the base game is, is pretty solid, pretty solid. A lot of replayability. It's a good game. Molly, question number two. Question two, what is a science fact or discovery you think is really fucking cool? Well, I'm going to disqualify the, uh, the uh, successful uh, fusion thing that we recently did because I mean, of course, so, the, but, so that's, that's really freaking cool. I mean, we'll, see, um, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. It, it's potential to be cool. Um, if you know, jerks don't get a hold of it, keep your mitts off Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> no, no, don't keep your mitts off Elon Musk. Keep your mitts off of fusion <laughs> comma yeah. Elon Musk there. Commas are important. Um, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> let's eat grandma. Um, <laughs> Don't. Um, okay. So a scientific fact or discovery I think is really cool. I just heard like before this recording, uh, my fiance was playing a video about the big tank that broke in Germany mm. and the slow motion guys had just done a video about glass breaking and the fractures in glass travel over four travel through glass over four times faster than a bullet flies. Oh, Wow. So that has blown my mind. That's very cool. In the last hour. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Question number three. Uh, Where do you get your sense of right and wrong from? Because we assume it's not religion. Um, I am a, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever told the story. I am a recovered Catholic. Oh, sure. Um, I was raised Catholic. Um, but really, um, and the thing that drove me actually drove my exit from the church was, um, number one, being around lots of different people, mm-hmm. uh, and observing, uh, number two reading, but yeah, just like seeing how people treat each other, seeing how systems work, learning how systems work and just like, and and then questioning the difference between word and deed. And mm-hmm. it's like... Megaforce. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Megaforce. <laughs> My God, I haven't watched that movie in so long. Um, but, um, but yeah, and like noticing how some people's words 
don't match up with with deed and like how is that righteous how is that mm-hmm. good and why do you think you need a system of religion why do you think you need promises of reward or punishment to do well by other people like all you need to do is see what community and support and help and compassion and empathy and then acting on those can do to benefit mm-hmm. individuals and communities and society as a whole rather than you know what a system of thought says what a system of religion yeah. says especially Absolutely. when it's over especially when it's more than evident how it can be and has been twisted to justify horrible things and and like yeah yeah that's yeah. a good answer that is absolutely uh question number 4 nick if you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for the rest of your life what would you choose oh he's thinking wow <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of like what has like assume has, that it just assume that it's going to do it flawlessly like it basically you're going to do it just, you're farming it out what what do you what do you hate doing the most um the thing that is the biggest pain in the butt to me is cleaning the bathtub actually oh yeah the bathtubs yeah cleaning cleaning the bathtub. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good answer. Yeah, that robot's much, gonna do such a good job. Pretty it's gonna much do such a great job. Any yeah. part of the bathroom, I would be happy to turn over to a robot. So that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Molly, honestly, like honestly, I don't, I don't mind cleaning the toilet as much as I mind cleaning the bathtub. Like the huh. toilet's just like really quick. You can get that done in five to ten minutes. It's great. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Those little, those little scrubbing bubbles robots. Sure. I was very misled. Like an army of them. I was misled by that commercial as a child, and I remained salty about it. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, Greg, uh, here's my secret for cleaning the bathtub. Mr. Yeah. Clean Magic Erasers. Ah. Uh, take the soap scum right off. They are amazing. Right. Mr. Stay clean sweet. Magic Erasers. Thank you. Now a sponsor of Geeks Without God. Uh, no, we don't Thank have Thank you, sponsors. Molly. Your elbow grease. A question, right, question five. Question five, Molly. What's a movie or TV show you think everyone should watch? Oh my God. Um, I'm going to go with the television show because for some reason, I think uh, my brain just completely retconned the other times that I've been on. I was like, I've probably talked about this movie before answering questions. So I'll <laughs> talk about the television show. Um, short. Um, However, you know, I guess the little side thing, the little asterisk for that, the movie is The Fall. Um, mm-hmm. I think everybody, it's, okay. it's a very beautiful movie. Okay. Um, well, what's the show? The show is Reservation Dogs. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hands down. So good. Uh, Reservation Dogs. Everybody should watch Reservation Dogs. It is amazing. It's, it's so funny. Uh, it's funny. It's heartfelt. Surreal. It's yeah, it's real. It's representation. Like there's like every so many people are in it. Like Wes Wes Studi shows up in it. The dude who was the ocean spray dude shows yep. up in season two. Michael um, Grace is so good. Like, Michael Grace. 
um, Gary Farmer, who some people, if they've seen Dead Man, he was no name in Dead Man. Oh, yeah. um, there's a great, nice little cameo at the end of season two that I'm not going to spoil because yeah. it's amazing. But the, yeah, uh, like, the whole uh, William Knife Man character is <laughs> so fucking funny, dude. Yeah. All, his little, <laughs> his, like, I watched a super cut of him after season two and. It's so consistently weird and personal and funny. Uh, and yeah, that, that show has a lot of heart and a lot of humor. It does. And, and like I, William Knife Man's my fa- one of my favorite characters and uh, Willie Jack and yeah. Cheese. Yeah. I love the aunties, especially when they go on their, uh, when they go on their, uh, uh, con- they go to their convention and they're all just talking about how they're going <laughs> to yeah. pull. Like they just got to pull the hottest guy they can find. And it's like, they're going to pull all kinds of strange from different tribes and like yeah. medallions and shit. It was great. It was so Oh my fun. God. Cheese is just like one of the most earnestly sweet characters in fiction. Like just, yeah. what, just what a great kid. Yeah. All of it. We remind our listeners where uh, you can stream Reservation Dogs. You can stream Reservation Dogs on Hulu. There you go. Reservation Dogs on Hulu. All right. And speaking of streaming things, you can stream Andor on Disney Plus, the entire Series 1, 12 episodes. Not a long watch. It's only about 35 minutes per episode. If you pull it up, it's going to say it's 45 minutes per episode, but that's a lie because 10 minutes are the credits. So 35 minutes, give or take per episode it's really quick and easy to watch great show greg we want to thank you so much for joining us to talk about reservation dogs we really appreciate it not reservation dogs but also reservation dogs <laughs> about Andor. i mean hey i'll talk about reservation dogs say, yeah but, we'll have you on when we if we can we gotta get tim to watch it yeah i gotta we'll watch it yeah yeah well yeah. i w- i would say i would say first like for like if that happens like before you ask me you should ask someone who's who's uh indigenous first you think you think yeah that's probably a good idea definitely but thank you (laughs) thank you for having me i always love i always love joining you and i am always flattered that i am one of your go-to people for star wars talk i love it and thank you it's always a good time i appreciate you all Thanks so much. Uh, if you enjoy Geeks Without God, you could support us on Patreon. Just go out, drop a buck or two. If you drop a, a couple of bucks, you can listen to these episodes early. You would have all, already heard this episode and having instead of having had to wait to whenever you're listening to it right now. You uh, can send us in your answers to our five questions at fivequestions at geekswithoutgod.com or fivequestions at geekswithoutgod.com. I'm sure you heard the difference between those two. <laughs> it was crystal clear to me. Send them on in. Uh, we are currently empty. Our queue is empty. So you uh, you could be the next person to have your answers read on the air simply by sending them to us. Uh, but other than that, we appreciate you listening. We're going to be back next week with another episode. Everybody have a great week. Bye. Bye. Oh, and for all you Kathleen Kennedy haters out there, I checked. She's involved. Sorry. We're geeks. Until next time, you can find us blogging at geekswithoutgod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod, and you can even like us on Facebook. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God.
And people are like, oh, I hate having to wait for episodes. 